The NFL Draft is doing away with the Wonderlick. Too bad nobody on this podcast has to take the Wonderlick. Bad signal 2022. We are hitting it with a bang. And my virtual inspiration, yes, Steve and I have never met in person, but we do have plans to do big things in the upcoming year. Steve Armato, a permanent guest, sidekick, co-host of the Bad Signal Podcast. I think we're going to make that official in our first episode of the year. You are freezing. I'm very warm. How cold are you? Um, I am freezing. I'm in a beanie right now. If you're just listening to the audio only, I'm in my apartment with a beanie on. It's a cool like 67 degrees in my apartment, which means like 35 outside. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know where you are. It's beautiful and it's gorgeous. Um, I don't have that luxury. And also if I put the heat on in my apartment a little bit, it goes to like 90 degrees. So I can't live like that. I'd rather just wear the beanie and be freezing. Certainly it's weird with these air conditioning units down here. And, you know, I'm definitely not taking air conditioning for granted or being comfortable, but my, my house is set to about 74 and it's comfortable. If I put it to 71, it's freezing. Ooh. So it, like, that's when the, that's when the AC starts cranking up. I had this conversation with Lewis Riddick on an episode that we never wound up dropping. It was a pretty quick conversation before the Patriots and Bills Monday night game up there in Buffalo, New York, which the Patriots did take handedly. I will swallow my pride and say that as I know what happened two weeks later. However, I asked Lewis, I said, what do you set your hotel thermostat at? What do you think he said? Uh, 64. 76 degrees. That's insane. No, that's, that's he's a crazy isn't person. It, isn't it insane? He's a crazy who, person. What, no, who does that? Who who sets that like musty mold asbestos radiator air? I don't care if you're in the four seasons. Of, is there a four seasons of Buffalo? Uh, Setting a hotel not. room to 76 is just like smelling the last five people that lived in their room and their towels. That's insane. That's Wait, insane. It's 70. He said 76. So I did a poll and I said, what temperature? I, I, I waver between like 69 and 70. It's definitely going to have like a slight chill to it. Around. Oh, I, I need it freezing. I need it the lowest okay, that it so, could possibly so we're, be. We're, we're opposite. That's why you live in New York and That's I true. live in Miami. That's right. What I, it, what, I used to up? work. I used to work with a guy that I traveled with all the time. I used to work at Bleacher Report as a branded content producer. I used to work yes. with this guy, Dan. This guy used to run hot, as hot as can be. We went away. The first trip I ever went on with him, he called He called down for them to, to come up and manually set the thermostat in the bedroom to 60 because he was no. too hot. And they no. did it. He goes, yeah, you could call. He goes, they don't go below 65, but if you call them, they'll come do it for you. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Travel hot takes, and if you stick around to the end of this podcast, we actually have a off-the-cuff conversation. We'll talk. We'll call it outtakes. I actually used to do that in my old podcast with uh, Tanya Ray Fox. We used to do like the um, the kind of like the uh, the jibber jabber at the beginning, you yeah. know, kind of the back and forth. I needed to test my my microphone. It's giving me some trouble because it keeps like flopping on one side. It's not sturdy enough. I don't know if I need to stand. What's going on? But we had a conversation about Steve's upcoming trip to Boston and um, 
some some airport pet peeves. Yes, that that's gonna be good. You guys want to stay tuned, stay tuned for that. What do they call that in uh in journalism school? They call it witty banter. That's what they do, right? That's what that's what they do. I, I, I got a comm degree, so I, so, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Witty. That's that's what I was told. I don't know. <laughs> Well, on this show today, as always, it's sponsored by Better Edge. And if you haven't gotten your fade Fallon Better Edge hats, they are on our Shopify page right now. We did change the logo text to a little more of like a varsity letter style. Fade Fallon on the front in all of white. Uh, a bad signal on the left. Better Edge on the right. I believe if you're watching this on YouTube, it's the other way around. Yeah. Um, these hats are on sale for $35, you go and check out the Shopify. If you act now, there is a code Fallon15 that will not last for long because we are still in the experimental page. Because we are still in the experimental phase. We're trying to figure out who is the best value for embroidering. So if you want to support the show, go pop on and get one of those hats. And yes, it is sponsored by Better Edge. Steve has lost plenty of money on Better Edge this weekend. I have won plenty of money on college basketball, had a bad bet, had a bad beat last night. Iowa State minus four and a half. I didn't, the nation had minus five. Better edge lines had minus four. Iowa State over Texas Tech and and the Red Raiders kept it super close towards the end, but, but Iowa State seemed to be running away and the kid shot a three with 0.2 seconds left. That was my only beat. Of the he league. had to be yeah. a hero. I hate when the kids have to be a hero at the end of the basketball game. But, but, it's, but it's like, listen, like, like we're in January. Do you think that that's going to end up on SportsCenter? Why don't you just make the rest of us happy? Because you ruined a lot of people's money. <laughs> oh, it's just unbelievable. That's why basketball, I don't, I, I got to like look into college. I'll do college basketball. No, I, I will. I, yeah. NBA is off limits for me. I have absolutely not only no. Yeah. The NBA, NBA stands for never bet again. That's what yeah. it stands for. Okay. Yeah. NBA <laughs> off limits for me. College basketball. I'm looking into it. March Madness. You might as well just kind of get a handle on the teams now. I'm always always terrible in my March Madness bracket. It's one of my least favorite weeks of the year. Anyone that's listened to my shows knows that. I'm a big like NFL free agency gal during that first week of March. But I, I think I'm going to jump on board this week. But we got plenty of topics to talk about in this podcast. We're going to keep it traditional. We got my guy Frank Isola from ESPN. I recorded this interview with him last week. We took a little winter break. Um, we're going to drop that right after here. He is a University of Maryland graduate. He's got plenty of his opinions on the NBA, certain things out of the state of New York, and his pride for the um, New York soccer team. Is soccer making a comeback this year? Do you so think soccer is making a comeback this year? No, I mean, I know like there are people that go to like the NYCFC games and the uh, the yeah, Red they Bull won. and the, yeah, they won the league, but they like there's no, there's, it's just not good soccer. Like it's like, it's like washed up dudes from Europe for the most part. Like it's not good. I'm sorry. Did you speaking, not saying he's washed up, but uh, Sloan Stevens married Josie Altador. Do you remember Josie Altador? I do remember Josie Altador. Yeah, yeah. Star striker for the U.S. team. They just got married this past weekend. Let me tell you, if they, if, they, if they have children, that kid, it's automatic D1 scholarship to begin with. <laughs> just, but, just out of the womb. Yeah, just like 
I mean, I'd give it, I'd give the kid an offer right there. Like day of birth, like just, you let me know when you're ready to come to school, like we'll do it. Um, but yeah, that's that, that kid is going to be an athlete if they decide to have children. There's a clip on house of highlights. I believe it's this, it's a fifth grader, not even a fifth grader. I think he's always oh, five or six years old. And they're like 50 pounds. It's not bad for him. And he lifts up like the 50 pound bag of hay and he's walking out. It, it's on House of Highlights right now. And this is like the comments. Sometimes I just look at these videos and I think they're stupid, but I go in the comments. Someone said like Nick Saban has entered, entered the chat. <laughs> <laughs> like Nick Saban. Nick Saban has entered the chat. It's perfect. Any young kid. Oh, he's salivating. We can get to a little Alabama, Georgia, possibly tomorrow, later in the week. I don't know. We got too much to cover on this show on. right now. Oh, we got James from Better Edge to talk about some of the lines for the upcoming national championship game. I almost forgot. James, I didn't forget you. Um and we also have a little um also have a little mid-pod surprise. Um someone checking in on um in their injury status ahead of their NFL games this weekend. So, keep you tuned. Well, let's get to the star topic of the day. Antonio Brown exposing a lengthy rant for what happened on the field, his inevitable demise. We all saw this coming with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's not mask the intent of what the arrangement between Antonio Brown and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers actually was. Tom Brady went to bat for this man. He witnessed an 11-day ordeal where Antonio Brown was cut by the Raiders, was brought into the Patriots organization on a surprise, on a whim, making Mr. Kraft proud. I mean, he had one game against the Dolphins and then like just absolutely imploded under the Patriots watch. That was the worst part of the whole ordeal. It was the texting scandal with the woman that he was allegedly harassing. He was doing it inside the walls of Gillette Stadium. The Patriots had no other choice but to let him go. We have given this man who is mentally ill, who seeks help, who is notably mentally disturbed, bizarre behavior. Uh, the, the society and social media has fed him continuously like an overfed fat puppy. Okay. And, uh, you know, it, it, it is, it is one of the um, seething backlashes of media society nowadays, where if someone is a train wreck, we love that people love page six. That's why the New York post sells magazines, but this is a reflection of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and for what they did to cover his ass. Um, it, 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 and it's just blowing up in his face. And to, to, to put it lightly, this media circus is unraveling under his own hands. I mean, and, and, and it's in a way that we are suddenly giving this clown, this man, who does not deserve another job in the NFL, albeit how talented he is. He is reckless. He is abusive. What he has done with, with women in the past, he is verbally abusive to teammates. Um, he is, he just, he's unwell. And suddenly this man has a second chance at life. Steve, this man will have a second chance in the NFL. And I can continue my my rant as to why, but I wanted to get your first thoughts on um, Antonio Brown leaving the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the way that he did. Yeah, I mean, I, so I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not like totally sure how I feel 
about the situation because I'm angry. I like, I'm not going to lie. Like I have him blocked on everything on Twitter. I have him blocked on Twitter because I couldn't see the name. I have his name, AB 84 and Antonio Brown muted. So I can't see it on my timeline. And the fact that this is being thrown back in my face, I'm annoyed. Yeah. And you, you should be, I think a lot of people should be, and I, I don't, it's such a weird situation because the way it all went down, like with him leaving the field like that, it was odd. That was the oddest thing I've ever seen on yeah. on a football field. I think everybody could agree there. And now the stuff that's coming out about the whole situation, I don't even know who to believe. Like, do I think Bruce Arians is like a good guy? Probably not. Like, I don't know. I don't know personally. But like, do I think do I think there's something to what Brown is saying about them trying to make him play and shooting up, shooting him up with uh, with Toradol? There's probably there is probably something there. But at the end of the day, let's not make it like Antonio Brown is like this this saint, right? No. We're not we're not making it like he's this saint of a person. Like especially someone who, let's face it, he's been abusive towards women multiple times, right? This isn't like mm-hmm. this isn't like a new thing. Like this things people know and. He shouldn't get another chance in the NFL regardless of this situation. Like the way there's a way to do things, right? There is a way you decide that you're going to leave a team. There's a way that you decide you you don't just take off everything on the sideline in the middle of a game and run off the field. Like you're a professional, you're a professional and you don't, he doesn't act like a professional in any aspect of his life. So I, Look, there might be something to the situation here, whatever it is, but I can't give the guy the benefit of the doubt anymore. If I'm going to be honest with you, I can't give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't, I wouldn't put him on my team. The guy is like, is like locker room cancer here. If we're going to be Well, but here, so I, I agree with you. I agree with you. And that's why I'm angry is because the way that the situation went down was so poorly handled by the people inside of that building, whether it comes from the front office or the head coach and Bruce Arians. Uh, this guy was clearly hurt. And this is the direct effect of Tom Brady steamrolling to potentially a fourth MVP, which has been taken over in the late weeks by Aaron Rodgers. them losing Chris Godwin, them losing their number one wide receiver to an AC tell ACL tear and the panic and disturbance for them to say, Antonio Brown, we need you. And we need you now. And the text messages that he has released on social media saying Bruce Arian said, we are not taking breaks through the playoffs. We need you right now. Now, once again, you have to judge whether or not he has lied about injuries in the past or, you know, they didn't believe him that it was the severity of it. But the scenario in which in which it went down where they were they were shooting him up with Toradol, which for those of you who don't know what Toradol is, Toradol is a banned Uh, pain medication in the NFL. The only people that take it have been grandfathered in from college and from the, uh, yeah, the college ranks and from the early NFL days. I believe it's about 10 years. I'm not mistaken. I I know that they've banned this substance in the last five years, possibly more. Toradol is is an injection into the backside and it shuts off the pain signals from the body to the brain. It is especially useful for offensive linemen. Uh, it doesn't matter if they were down two touchdowns to the Jets, man. You know, he said he looked at Bruce Arians and said, like, my ankle hurts and I don't want to go in. And Bruce Arians 
made the, the, the gesture across his throat as if he was slitting his throat and said, that's it, you're done. Okay. So what do you expect someone who was unstable to do? Like I, I will make the example of the Dolphins locker room years ago. Jake Long left all of the leadership in that locker room left and you left Richie Incognito to take care of Richie Incognito. You cannot have a man like that who is mentally ill and needs help, who has been, who has, who has been Baker acted multiple times in trouble with the law, you know he is mentally unstable. Why are you putting Antonio Brown in charge of Antonio Brown? That is the number one issue here. And now you have a messy situation where Antonio Brown has leverage, has the upper hand, and he has made this completely about him because no press is bad press. And he knows that. And suddenly this idiot, who whether or not his talent has passed him by, will get a second chance in the NFL because a lot of players believe it, including Reggie Bush. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I look, I, the only thing I'll say about that is that I don't know, like Arians probably isn't thinking like that, like in the middle of the game. Right? Oh, I, but, you, but I mean, and but you're he's not, pretty, he's pretty red faced. Like, like he's pretty red faced and hot headed. Like right. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, like but, I, but I don't know if he's thinking like that. You know, he knows obviously that AB is like unstable, right? But like in the middle of a game, like you're losing a like whatever that you're you're a Super Bowl contender losing to the Jets by two scores. I'm not sure you're like thinking along those lines mid game, but also it's still like you should probably have something in the back of your head. Like I know who this guy, like I know what Antonio Brown yeah, yeah. is capable of of doing here. Like he th- he's not mentally well. Like everybody knows this. This is not. A shock. I yeah. just the whole situation. I don't even do it. He shouldn't play in the NFL again, but somebody's gonna give him a chance. You know why? Because yep. owners, owners don't at the end of the day, owners don't care if, if a guy can perform. Yeah. He absolutely will get a second chance in the NFL. And I think that this is an even worse look for what Bruce Arians and Tom Brady are doing headed into the postseason. I do not think this is a good omen for them walking in to what could be a repeat year. I think that kind of the uh, the rug has been pulled out from underneath them. I also know on good word from my buddy down in Tampa Bay, Rick Stroud, who I've had on this show before, he broke the story about Antonio Brown's fake vaccination card. Let's, let us not forget about that. That he said um, he got word from the organization and from Tom Brady's camp that he was very angry at Rick because he upset the quarterback. Okay. Oh, for breaking a story on someone who was a fake vax card. So Tom, did you know? Did you know that he had a fake vaccination card? Are are you mad at someone for breaking a legitimate news story because it disrupted the peace in your locker room? That's when you know it's time to hang it up. If you if you are literally putting your Hall of Fame reputation on the line for this asshole. Excuse me. I mean, there's no other way to really just, he's a clown. Antonio clown. If you are putting your reputation on the line to defend this man, because you need another hand, go call Julian Edelman. What are you doing? Okay. Like, like there's wide receivers off the street that you could call that would, that would drop their families to go play for you. And you are still nonetheless defending this guy that is, that is beyond help. 
that like, and then getting mad about it. That is the problem here. And I, I would have to say, I wonder what the relationship is like even still as I finish this subtle rant. Um, Byron Leftwich is headed for NFL coaching positions once this season is over. I think that we can all agree on that, that he will get his due as the offensive coordinator younger than Tom Brady for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as will Eric Bieniemy. Mike Tomlin deserves a Nobel Peace Prize for keeping that man on his team for eight years. He got along with him. He understood him. And I'm not making any, you know, a, a association between the two. But I would say if anyone were to be running the offense, Byron Leftwich utilizing Antonio Brown in whatever offense that he takes over, I think that that would be a good fit. It would. But if you're Byron, this is my only counter to that. If you're Byron Leftwich, right, and you are going into your first head coaching yeah. job, do you are you really trying to bring him in? I. It depends. It depends on the owner. If it's if it's Shad Khan of the Jaguars, maybe. Oh. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm if I'm if that's my first head coaching job, I'm not hitching my wagon to Antonio Brown. If it's my first head coaching job, that's all I'm saying. The next topic is discussing the Bears. It's discussing Aaron Rodgers. Yes, it's that Chicago Associated Press writer that called Aaron Rodgers um, a loser and unvaccinated and bad for the country. He doesn't deserve, and yes, all the backlash that he doesn't deserve the MVP. Why are we still giving votes to Associated Press? Writers, do we have enough accomplished writers the, like in, in the country that we can start to sprinkle these? Like, like I, I'm damn, I, I would hate to compare it to baseball and say baseball is better, but no, it's not. Are, are, are you, are, are, are we actually doing this right now? Associated press. There's only one associated press writer that I, that I know that is like the best man and the best writer in the world. And that's Tim Reynolds who covers the heat down here. Um, but Hub Arkush, is that even? Did I even pronounce that right? He did make he did make an apology today. He said he made a big mistake, not only just by the words that he used, calling him a bum, but he violated really the cardinal rule of MVP voting, and that is uh, not disclosing your plans before actually making your pick. I think that that's another thing that we can compare in baseball. I think everyone has multiple baseball votes, but I mean, like. It's, it's it's not like every AP reporter is is tempted to go out on Twitter and tell everyone what they did and who they think and you know and base that on Vegas on Vegas uh, odds. Um, it's like he claims that you know his only regret was that he quote unleashed a small army of self styled social media and talk radio experts who have no clue what they're talking about to challenge the quality of the voting process, attempting to invalidate any vote or the thought of his voting process. Sir, um, I think that is a ass backwards way of saying um, you really should be getting your vote taken away because that was just, um, it, that was, that was just all emotion and, and no facts, all feelings, no facts. That was Paul all feelings. All feelings, no facts. And like, like let's, so we've talked about, we, we were just talking about Antonio Brown, right? So like, it's yeah. not like Rogers, it's not like Rogers is the only person, whatever you think about 
his view on on vaccines and whatever. He's not the only person in the NFL that has this view. So that's like that's number one, you know, like so it's not like he's the only guy that didn't get it or whatever. And then there he's not a serial killer. Right. So like there are guys that are in the league that have done way worse things. Yes, exactly. You want to talk about character? Yeah. Like there are guys in the league that nobody says about and like like and you're (laughs) Like, are you kidding me? With like, are you kidding me with this? I'm like, nobody says a peep about the other the other stuff, right? But this, all of a sudden, now you want to like virtue signal and do all your things with it. Enough, like, th- come on, like, you gotta distinguish. If you can't distinguish what a guy does on the field from off it for an MB- MVP vote like this, like I said, he's not a serial killer. He's not, you know, beating up women, like whatever it is. Just you shouldn't have a vote. This is yeah. like the, it's like the people that vote for the MVP. Because they they get mad because they don't vote for a guy like people didn't vote for Albert Bell because he wasn't like he didn't want to get interviews after the game like it's ridiculous. Yeah, bad guys are the most valuable guys in the NFL. Let's be honest. It's you know, true. I mean, who are we calling a bad guy here? Right. We're we're not voting for the Hall of Fame, and I know that that's pretty limited too. There's a lot of players that are that are limited in their selection in their windows of when they get voted in. And we're not talking Hall of Fame here, but we're talking this year, 2021 to 22, Aaron Rodgers with 3,900 yards, 35 touchdowns, four interceptions. And the most important thing, because I said, don't vote any futures on the Packers just yet. Yep. Yeah, I could have taken that back in the preseason because the Packers are the only team in NFL history now with three years of 13 wins or more. What else do you have to say? I will say this. Did I just answer my own rhetorical question? You you did. You did. (laughs) That that happened. Oh my God. No, I I, like Brian gun guns. Kunst. How do you pronounce the, uh, the GM of the, of the Packers gun guns. I think it's guns. Kunst. Gunnikunst. There you go. Gunnikunst. General manager of the Packers, do you know that I had to go <laughs> on Google Google pronunciator to see how to pronounce that? Gutekunst. I, I would I, that would not have been my guess, by the way. Gutenkunst. Gutekunst. 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 Brian G. How about we do that? Brian G. <laughs> does not deserve executive of the year. Um, once again. Aaron Rodgers made do with the wide receivers that he had. I, you know, I called it, I called it last year. I mean, him comparing him, he was an underdog to Patrick Mahomes and the, and the, you know, first round wide receivers that he's had. He's done things with very little, much like our friend Tom Brady, uh, you know, when he was back in New England, which he should, you know, pick up a page now and go start throwing balls to Scotty Miller. I don't know. Uh, Bill Belichick deserves the executive of the year award. If he will not get the coach of the year award, I believe Aaron Rodgers will be the MVP. Brian G. No, all of all of that executive of the year crap. Take that out. No, he's nothing without Rodgers, and that's it. Ooh, okay, all right. Breaking news. We got what, some breaking news for the show. What do you What do you got? What, what is oh, this? Okay. So, do you know what happened during the Vikings and Packers Monday night game at Lambeau Fields? Besides me losing my Vikings plus seven bet, which I don't know why I, I placed that down. Do you, do you, do you know what happened? McDonald's announced the McRib is back. Oh no, no, but even better. So Adam Schefter, Adam Schefter during Monday night countdown 
he uh, hit the gritty on the on the, the frozen turf of Lambeau Field. It was 10 degrees in Green Bay. Yep. So Justin Jefferson does the gritty. You don't know, a nice little, uh, you know, millennial. No, not a millennial. TikTok dance. It's a Gen Z. It's a Gen Z. Oh, it's a Gen Z TikTok dance. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm, big, I'm a big TikTok guy, so I've seen it. But I live for the comments on the people that can't do it properly. Okay. So Adam Schefter hit the gritty. 10 degrees at Lambeau Field. Uh, he had he had um, an injury. He went down with an injury. This was breaking news as of it, yesterday. And I, I just, I had to ask him. I said, I said, Shefty, did you properly assess your form? Because clearly in exhibition dances for the gritty, you had to have practiced the gritty before. Did you properly assess your form? And since you were not flagged for the dance, um, is there any word from 345 Park about um, a potential fine? For bad dancing skills, this is this is this is what he had to say. Courtney, I did not need to assess the form of my dance to know that it was awful. Everybody in the NFL, coaches, front office members, reporters, anybody can gritty better than I can. Just not how I make my living, and I know that I will not be doing that anytime soon. And to add insult to injury, hurt my knee on the gritty as well. A little torn meniscus. We are not listed on the injury report for this weekend's shows on ESPN, so I will be out there, but no more grittying in my future. <laughs> I believe that qualifies for a medical exemption from the commissioner. I, I don't I, believe I, he will be fined for bad dancing skills. I'd fine him. <laughs> you can't. You no, can't. you have to give him a rating. Come on. You I gotta give, give him a like rating? a two point five out of out of a hundred. No, he gets like. You a, said you're a big TikTok guy. That's yeah. that's how they do it. Yeah, that's how they do it. But you can't tear your meniscus <laughs> doing a TikTok dance. You get a zero. Like you get a zero. You can't get in. You can't. You tear your meniscus doing a TikTok dance, man. Come on, it's a non-contact injury right there too. Like this is insane. Oh. Come on, Adam. Like, oh man, how do we do? How do we do that? Like, come on. I don't know. I'm embarrassed for him. Oh, Thanks to my guy. buddy Shefty for doing that. Yeah. Poor, poor guy. I mean, I'll, I'll send them. I'm going to send them a card. He, he has like a, a very inspirational, beautiful young daughter named Dylan. She reminds me a lot of myself when I was a kid and she's been doing a lot of the Pro Bowl uh, interviews and stuff since she was, I think she was 11. She might be 13 now. She does some stuff for Nickelodeon Slime Time with Nate. I mean, she's a, she's a superstar, That's and cool. I'm, I'm just I'm very ashamed that um he didn't ask his um his young daughter Dylan for dancing advice. She could have definitely helped there. I mean, at least with the form. I mean, come <laughs> how do you just how do you do it? How do you do it? Oh my God! Moving on. Quote of the week: If you don't follow Steve on Twitter, you need to follow Steve on Twitter because he does these. <laughs> Good morning to everyone, except. My quote of the week is that uh, is a is a quote from Robert Quinn. He says, "A man has two things: his words and his nuts, and you don't want to lose either of them." Amen, I, brother. I can't, Amen. I can't, I can't disagree with that. That is that is very true. I mean, come on, Steve. Who do you have a good morning to? I have a good morning to everyone, except the people who wish you a happy new year the entire month of January. I Even believe. I, I believe that you are exhibiting your inner Larry David with this. And I, I also believe hair. 
You have until the seventh to say happy new year. Once you hit the eighth, the ninth, the tenth, that's the cutoff. Yeah, I was gonna say I issue ten dollar fines after the fifth. Oh, think, yeah. Oh. Like I mean that that's I, like it's five days is good. Like we're good. We're good with five days. Come on. Like I don't need like like January. I can't. Like January tenth, somebody coming up to happy new. We're done. We're almost two weeks out here yeah like, yeah i see i i still i still have some leeway i still have some leeway with that you want to get better into some nfl you want to get into some nfl let's get into some, some nfl and then we'll finish with novak Djokovic because i know that you're uh you're you're pretty you're pretty animated on this the sun has set here in miami it is later in the day we don't have that godly light but god is shining on the kansas city chiefs however for those betters that had chiefs over 12 and a half wins Tough luck, man. <laughs> they are going to finish the season regardless at 12 wins. That is a bad beat. At the beginning of the season, like, would you rather just have a bad beat off the bat? Like, know that you picked Marquette Moneyline and, and they got they got blown out, even though my Marquette Moneyline college basketball play, they did uh they did do very well this week. Um, but the Chiefs is just weird. They're gonna be the number one seed, they're not gonna hit that beat, but you know, you're you're playing the Broncos team. They're favored by 11 and a half. And then you got the Titans coming out of the blue. I know it's it's not set for them. They're still playing the Texans, which is kind of a wild card. They are favored by 10 points. What are your thoughts, Steve? All right. So I think the Chiefs are going to blow the doors off the Broncos. Like the Broncos have some guys coming back from COVID. They're not playing for anything. The Chiefs yeah. can still get the one seed and the Titans don't play till Sunday. So the Chiefs are, are going to be playing. The, the yeah. Broncos are trying to go golfing. Um, I hate the I hate the Titans. I hate the way they I play the football. Titans. I, I hate the, the way Titans. they play football. I hate the way they play football. I hate the way they play football. It's always Why? hideous. It's always hideous. But but they need – I think they're going to – I think I actually think the Texans are going to cover that game. To be honest with you, okay. just because they've been playing better, like they they've actually been playing better late in the year. Davis Mills has been playing better. They've been in like weird spots. Um, I guess they're all playing for contracts next year. I think they'll cover because the Titans win games in very ugly fashion. Um, yeah, I just oh, the Titans need home field so much more than the Chiefs do, and Derrick Henry will have another. He's practicing, and he will have another. Oh week yeah, of he's rest. ready to go. Not this weekend, but the they, you know for playoffs. Yeah. They need that one seed. Um, I do think they'll win the game. I don't think they'll cover the ten. Um, and I think still, I hate the way they play football, and I think the Chiefs will beat them in Nashville if they get that opportunity to. The Titans might lose. The thing is, I don't think the Chiefs will lose at home in the first round of the playoffs. I think the Titans will lose. Even if they have the bye, I still think they could lose that game. I mean, I know Derrick Henry could run for 600 yards on whatever, 30 carries, but I don't think they're that good. I just don't know how they win games. They they annoy me. I like the Titans in this one. I like the Titans going forward in the postseason. I, I think that it's the perfect example. What is this league run by? Good quarterbacks. Ryan Tannehill is not in the top 10 of good quarterbacks. They win by team play. They can run the ball effectively. They're a smash mouth team. And they've got a badass coach in Mike Vrabel that's yeah. running the show there. It is about an attitude. And how surprising has the Titans been? I just think that that's the most remarkable thing, that everyone expects the Chiefs, which, by the way, right now, if you believe that the Chiefs will win the Super Bowl, they're plus 330 odds 
to win the AFC. They're plus 500 right now to win the Super Bowl. And if you think that the AFC and the NFC is wide open, it takes one game for those Packers to not get knocked off their feet, whether it is the Cardinals, whether it is the Rams. I'm not considering this in terms of playoff seedings for the NFC because everything is still up in the air. It takes that one game, that one game that your left tackle is not working and the the Bucs pass rush is just absolutely bulldozing Aaron Rodgers and poof, your miracle season is gone. Uh, the, the Chiefs are still going to be there. The consistency is there, and it, it's it's going to be something that you have to think about going forward is like, got to trust the good teams once again. Stop betting with your heart and bet with your head. I also will say this about the Chiefs, which I think you definitely need to take into account when you look at all these teams, and it's the same thing with the Packers. They already have their COVID outbreaks. Yeah. That's... They already had it. That's that's gone. It's out the window. They moved on. Dr. Steve Fauci. Dr. Steve Fauci. They already had the COVID outbreaks. And they <laughs> changed the rules. They changed the rules. The the people self-report their symptoms. You think these guys are gonna self-report sniffles in the middle of the play in the middle of the playoffs? I, yeah. I don't think so. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying they're probably not gonna do it. Another interesting underdog bet, because who thought that the Jets were going to cover against the reigning Super Bowl champs against the Bucs last week? I didn't. I Listen, close. I I would I would love the Jets to beat down and cover that 16-point spread in Buffalo. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think the Buffalo Bills are going to be dead set on getting a higher seed than New England Patriots. However, the Colts and the Jaguars, the Steelers have a wish and a prayer. If the Jaguars beat the Colts and the Steelers win against the lowly Ravens, they are in the postseason, and Big Ben gets his second goodbye. That was pretty emotional. I I will have to say I I have fond memories of rivalries between the Patriots and the Steelers, most mostly in Heinz Field. I mean, this is before Big Ben's time in two thousand and four. That back corner patch uh, by David Patton, the late David Patton, rest in peace. Um, you know that that brought. Sorry, that wasn't 2004. That was 2001. Brought the Patriots to the Super Bowl. It feels like they always, uh, you know, uh, play play the Steelers down the stretch in hard-nosed AFC rivalry games. It was them and the Colts. So uh, tip my cap to Big Ben. Um, great career regardless. Uh, you, you know, you, you better, you better whisper into, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence's ear. What an underwhelming performance by the number one overall pick. He has been so much less than appeasing to everyone. I would give him a C on the season. He continues to struggle. I don't think that this has anything to do with uh, the coaching staff. I think it's, it's a lot of his mechanics. Um, what you're jumping in. I'll say, what? I'll say one thing that I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt with the Jaguars lead the NFL in dropped passes. Did you exactly. Know like who, who do they have? Marvin Jones, Marvin Jones at one point in the season, former wide receiver for the Detroit lions when he was with Matthew Stafford and, you know, and, and, the kid, um, who's the tight end for them? TJ Hawkinson has done very well for himself. They had Kenny Galladay, all of those wide receivers up there in, in Detroit. Marvin Jones was like the star of the show. And for most of the season, I, I would say through seven weeks of the season, there was a stat. 
I believe we said it on here that Marvin Jones was the only wide receiver that was targeted in the end zone. So when you don't have when you don't have talent, what what are you going to do? There's a complete yeah. rebuild that's coming for that organization. I'm happy that they got rid of the worst human in the world and Urban Meyer. <laughs> um, but you got to figure something out. Maybe get things going in the ground game. They've got a lot of uh, young wide young running backs that are that are stealing the show down there. Just at least moving the chains and making things easier for Trevor Lawrence. I would love to see the Jaguars at plus fifteen and a half cover that spread because the Colts they blew it for me last week. So I'm going to bet against them. I look, I, I feel you on that. I just like every time you think the spread is big enough for the Jaguars to cover, it, <laughs> yes, is, it isn't. It is. They just blow it. It's like, oh, 16 and a half against the Pats. This is, this is money. No, it's not. You just 50 to 10. Like, I, I, I don't. Also, Trevor Lawrence threw his first touchdown pass since like week nine. <sighs> Last week, they just don't okay. have anything around them, and like you got to get an offensive minded guy in there. Also, like, please get Byron Leftwich. Get, but I agree. Go, go, like, I, ship him. He doesn't even have to. His family doesn't even have to move. How perfect how fit. ideal is that? Perfect yes. fit, and get this kid an offensive line. You drafted Travis Etienne with your second first round pick, you dummy, Urban Meyer, and Trevor Lawrence is laying on his back all the time because he's getting killed. I will say this one thing: I killed the Cincinnati Bengals on draft night for not drafting Penny Sewell because of what happened. I mean, not only ACL, MCL, and ligament nerve damage to Joe Burrow's knee. He should be comeback player of the year, by the way. He should. Forget Dak Prescott. I I mean, what he has done for them to win the division and bring the, the Cincinnati Bengals to all its glory, the reason is because they passed on Penny Sewell and took Jamar Chase. So don't sure. overlook taking top talent a wide receiver and overlooking an offensive line. That's that's true. all. I'll, that that's, that's the perfect example. This kid's gonna true. win offensive rookie of the year. Boom, kiss. That's Bye. true too. If you have like that stud receiver, like the way the rules are now, like you can barely touch the receivers, like to play defense, yeah. right? So like the way the rules are now, you get a stud changes it changes things for you. So I, I mean, we're seeing it with right. We're seeing it with Chase. We're seeing it with Waddle also. No, I mean, Jalen Waddle's having a breakout. Yeah, if it wasn't Jamar Chase in terms of just the wide receiver ranks, if it wasn't Jamar Chase, I would still say it was Mac Jones, just with the consistency. One of my Twitter followers actually DM'd me, and he said, how mad would you be on a scale of 1 to 10 of, as a Patriots fan to see that uh, Mac Jones doesn't win Rookie of the Year? And I said, uh, to be honest, <laughs> like, do you think Bill Belichick gives, gives a shit about Coach of the Year? He probably has 85 trophies that he keeps in like a shelf yeah. in his in his garage toilet that, really. are, like, that are collecting dust. Exactly, exactly. Like, why does that matter to me that that Mac Jones doesn't win no. Rookie of the Year? It's like, yay, congrats! No. I'm more happy that that the Patriots have a quarterback for the next three, four, five years that's formidable that they can work on with this offense that continues to grow and and shows consistent progress on a week to week basis. Absolutely. So, Let's talk about this um, this Niners-Rams game and maybe one more and then just uh, get your thoughts on Novak Djokovic. And then we will pop to my buddy, Frank Isola from ESPN. I need to drop this interview. He was so nice. He took I, I took 45 minutes of his time. So if it sounds just like a little bit dated, yeah, that's why you know why. But Frank, is um, he's a tremendous, tremendous reporter. And you know him in New York ranks. Yes, I follow him on Twitter. I'm a big Frank Isola guy. 
He's yeah, big with the I'm, he's big with the Knicks too. He writes a lot of good stuff with. Yeah, with yeah, yeah, yeah. We tried to stay away from. I, I dabbled in a couple of Knicks questions. We tried to keep it uh, mostly NFL because this is a NFL, a Major League Baseball podcast, as you know. All right, Niners and Rams. Apparently, Jimmy Garoppolo, according to my Twitter, has been firing balls all over the field. Blah blah blah. I don't care. He said that thumb when it hurts, it bleeping hurts. Garoppolo is not even close to 100%. This is an enormous, enormous game for the Rams. Uh, the Niners, they're also, their secondary is terrible. They they lead the league in PIs. They can't cover the deep ball. The Rams win this game. They are at home. They're the two seed if the Cardinals also win, which the Cardinals will probably handedly win. The NFC title game in their own house could be on the line if as I said, the Green Bay Packers slip up slightly. They're likely to face Philly or the Saints in the first round. And if they lose, they're the number five seed. So, I mean, uh, Trey Lance, to me, I watched a lot of that first half of the game. I know that a couple people started him in their championship leagues, like for fantasy. Big mistake. Big, big mistake. What are you doing there? Three points in the first half. They made some adjustments. They had 400 yards total in the game, but they're also playing the goddamn Texans, okay? Um, it's way too early to say, really, if Trey Lance is going to be the answer for the 49ers, but against uh, like a revamped uh, Rams team that is destined to go deep into the postseason. I know they have their moments, but you know when Stafford and McVay turn it on, Cooper Cup, MVP candidate. I don't think there's any way that the Rams lose this. I'm locking this in as my pick. I will go head to head with you on better edge Rams minus four and a half. Boom. All right. So, where, so you, know, you, already know. you already know, you already know, you already know I'm taking the Niners plus four and a half. Look, I agree with pretty much everything you said. I also think the Rams are the only team that could beat the Packers and go to the Super Bowl in the NFC. But there's a couple things here. One, um, why is this line four and a half? Like that, because you're getting there's some really confusing, weird lines be, here. Because year. you're getting because the Rams are home in this one, and they're getting three points for being the home team. So the Vegas is saying that they think they're only one and a half points better than the 49ers if we put this on a neutral field. That's one. That's weird. Okay. The 49ers wiped the floor with them on the in that Monday night game the first yep. time around. Yeah. Now, this is also a thing that you got to take into account. I know this is probably going to sound dumb, but if the Niners lose and the Saints win, the Saints go to the playoffs. So, like, the yeah. Niners are also playing – the Niners are playing for their lives as well. Now, I, do I think that they will win the game? No, but it's a field goal to me. So that's why I'm taking the Niners. I think it's a field goal game. I think four and a half is a little bit too big here. And the books are kind of indicating that to me. That's all I'm saying. That's why I'm going with the Niners, especially because my first thought was the Rams are going to wipe the floor with them. And every time I do that, like last week with the Bucks and every bet that I took last week, I got, I got, I took a bath last week. I got crushed. So I'm going the opposite way of what I would normally think here. I'm going. I sized you. I sized you. We'll give you all of our picks. Later in the week, there's no Thursday night game, so we can drop this later tonight. You can have everything set for a Saturday afternoon, day, night tip-off. Oh, I'm so excited. Patriots and Dolphins, you can get my thoughts later in the week. I will be going to that game, I believe. There you I, go. I'm just, I'm manifesting it. I'm already, I'm just going. 
Final thoughts before we tip off to our buddy, Frank Isola. I know this is kind of like a uh, sharp right turn. Don't forget to stick around at the end of this episode to get a little uh, little bonus off the cuff action, but between myself and Steve. We're going to come back with your picks. We're going to drop We're gonna drop your, uh, oh, we, we talked about your Joe Judge thing. Yeah, we already talked about that. Yeah, I'm forgetting. It. We've been I, on this, we, we've been I, on this pod for too long. Yeah, I hate Joe Judge. Just said yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody All get right. him out. Somebody get him All out. Right. All right. All right. When those bad signal hats, they come through, go order that Shopify. See, it's the problem is that when I send this page, you know, it's just easy transactions for everyone. When I send the Shopify page to people, they're like, Oh, I thought it was your Spotify. page." Yeah, no, they it's a problem. They got to read. They got to read properly. (laughs) No, I might, might listen. My eyes confuse me as well. So, all right, Steve, this was good. Thank you for having me. Thank you. He's New York City zone, Long Island zone. One of the Manhattan great NBA writers that our generation has ever seen. He's also a Maryland Terrapin. Welcome in Frank Isola to the Bad Signal podcast. Frank, how you doing? Courtney Fallon, how you been? It's been a long time. How about that introduction? I'm sure you had to search for the right adjective because I know you probably wanted to say something else about me, but you're being nice because it's your podcast, so I appreciate that. One one of my favorite things about certain sports writers, and I, I love the ones that are controversial, and I, I think you've definitely said this in your time. If if you are not making people mad by the things <laughs> that you are saying, yeah. then you are not making waves and you are not doing your job. I know that yeah. from Dan Shaughnessy in Boston and various other different reporters, but you have a love-hate relationship with the fans in New York City. And one of my favorite things of when I was peeping in your mentions is someone called you Frank Ashola. <laughs> oh, all the time. Uh, th- thanks for making that public. Now more people will say that. That might have been Frank maybe that was that, that was probably that was probably my kids saying that. Uh, here's the thing: when you uh, cover a bad team, obviously this, the coverage is going to be so-called negative, or it's going to be somewhat critical. And I think the majority of educated fans understand that. I think you get some of the fans that think your job is to remain positive and upbeat all the time. That's not what the job is. Your job is to report on what's happening. And what I always say is look at the record. The coverage always reflects the record. And the Knicks had been terrible for about 20 years. The coverage reflected that. It's actually pretty easy to figure out. Not everyone can figure it out. Most people figure it out. Yeah, you have a, a very um, interesting relationship with that team, and James Dolan is kind of a, a polarizing figure. Has the the talks quieted down about him selling the team? I mean, he'll never sell the team. He yeah. he, he he banned Charles Oakley from from MSG. Yep. I mean, he's got all the power in the world, but suddenly there's you know next to R.J. Barrett, there's there is somewhat of a resurgence for that team. There it's like everyone feels bad, you know, yeah. they want the Knicks to be better. Has, has that chatter kind of quieted down? What's, what is the mood or the tone in, yeah. at, at Madison square garden now? Are they, are they happier with the moves that the Knicks yeah. have made personnel wise? Well, I do think last year, I think the Knicks, you know, being the fourth seed overall, you could tell that people got back into it and, you know, they were really excited. Then they won their first game of the year this year against Boston and the fans were outside celebrating. It hasn't been, but you know, they've kind of 
petered out a little bit. I think the talent gap has kind of caught up to them. If you look at the Knicks, their best player is Julius Randle. Start comparing him to other best players in the Eastern Conference, mm-hmm. whether it's Kevin Durant, Giannis, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid. You know, he played way over his head last year, Julius Randle. This year, he's kind of come back to earth a little bit. And now all of a sudden, the fans are getting really anxious because I think they thought the team was going to build off of what happened last season. The opposite is true. I think the Knicks played so far over their head, there was going to be, you know, they were going to come back down to earth. And in a lot of ways, they've come crashing back down to earth. But trades can be made. Things can happen. I'm not going to rule them out just yet. But for me, it's a talent situation. They just don't have the same talent. Do you think the Knicks have enough talent to make a deep run? Or you just don't think that it's going to be there? Because you look across the pond in Brooklyn and, uh, you know, it's if you don't have a big three, you can't compete. No, it, it's hard, and that's why I think the Nets are going to get better. They have the best record in the Eastern Conference. They haven't played their best basketball. Yeah. The one thing, of, you know, the thing about the New York Knicks is the guys that should be their best players, Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, they haven't had great years, and you're only going to go as far as your best players take you. So you mentioned Miami. Bam Adebayo is eventually going to get healthy. Jimmy Butler is eventually going to get healthy. They will get better. The Brooklyn Nets, James Harden hasn't had a great year, but he'll get better, and something will figure itself out with Kyrie Irving where he'll either play or they'll trade him or he'll get vaccinated and he'll play or they'll trade him. So you can see those teams getting better. With the Knicks, I only think the way they can do it is via a trade, and I don't know how they're going to be able to do that right now. I just don't think this group is good enough. They could be a playoff team. Maybe they'd be in the play-in tournament, but last year they were the fourth seed and they got knocked out in the first round. I don't see them right now with this roster – as a team that could win one round in the NBA playoffs. Everyone in the NBA, a lot of fans, as an international game, they look at who is the best, the best. It's like everyone has a list, yep. and they move that list bigger than the better than the power rankings that any yep. ESPN or, or and media outlet can do. Is Kevin Durant the greatest player in the NBA right now? Like, without a doubt? I, th- I think that we've kind of solidified that. Yeah, I, th- I think because of his ability to score in so many different ways you know he could hit pull-up shots you know he shoots mid-range he's not one of these guys who just stands back there and shoots threes he plays both ends of the court you know it's between him Steph Curry who's had a great year let's not forget about Giannis because Giannis goes out there and competes every night and LeBron it's hard to believe December 30th he's going to be 37 years old he's still a great player what's catching up to him of course is the injuries he's missed a lot of games already this season, but I would put those four and I'll put Jokic in there as well. Let's not forget about him. He was the, the, he is the reigning MVP, but Kevin Durant in terms of all around game and his size, that's kind of hard to compete against. Shaq, was he the greatest, most dominant player in his, in his day? I know that they've had that conversation. Uh, You think about a big man that can move up and up and down the floor to just dominate the paint. Uh, It's yeah. Well, Shaq will be the one to tell you that he was. I covered all all those NBA finals with him, and he was unstoppable. He was so big and strong. And back then, the league used to let the big man get away with a lot more. If you go back and watch the final that they won against Philadelphia, he must have hit Dikembe Mutombo in the mouth about five times a game with his elbow, just turning into the lane and getting him pretty hard. Shaq at the time, Jeff Van Gundy always used to say this as the coach of the Knicks, whenever trade rumors would come up and, you know, players might be upset. And he says that I used to tell every guy on our team, listen, everyone in the league can be traded. And then he said, wait, hang on a second. Everyone but Shaq is good is 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 capable of being traded. This was when Shaq was at his prime when there was no, you know, right when he first got to the Lakers, there was no way that they were going to trade him. And there was that stretch where he was as dominant as any player ever in the league. 
Yeah. Well, what do you, I, I know that you talk about Kobe Bryant a lot on your page and fond memories of Kobe at the garden. And um, can you give a, a Kobe story for, for the good people, the bad signal podcast? Is there, yeah. is there something that sticks out in your mind? We started this show. My first guest on the show was Rick Fox, who was a childhood friend of mine. And when that rumor came out that he was on the helicopter, I mean, I've dropped to my knees and prayed to God. I yeah. haven't cried that hard in a very long time. And, um, and Rick is, is still pretty affected by this entire situation. Uh, it's, it's hard to believe that Kobe is gone, but I mean, what, what can you remember with fond memories of, of, of him playing? Well, one of the, one of the first memories I have was his first ever game at Madison square garden. So he was a rookie and it was a weird situation because the, the Lakers, I think, played their first two games at home. And then all of a sudden they were on the East Coast playing the Knicks. And Kobe Bryant was at the foul line. I believe it was in the first of the second quarter. He's at the – and back then we used to sit, you know, right near the bench. And Kobe Bryant's at the line. He makes his first free throw. And Del Harris was the coach of the Lakers. And he turned right to us, right to the media, the New York media. And he said, wow, he goes, I was there when his dad scored his first place. Wow. So it was, it was cool to be there for that. And Kobe had so many great games at Madison square garden. And every time he'd play, there was always a buzz in the arena. That was the game where he scored the 60 or 62 points, whatever it was. And when yeah. they brought him out for a curtain call and to hear the crowd, you know, give him a great ovation. I'll tell you this, LeBron, the last, so when the Lakers came into New York a couple of weeks ago, LeBron was suspended for the game. Yep. Years ago, the Lakers played a Sunday game against San Antonio Kobe slapped down on Mano Ginobili's face. The league reviewed it. They suspended him for a game. The game he was suspended for was against the New York Knicks. The fans in New York went crazy that crazy. Kobe wasn't going to be there because when you only see these guys once a year, yeah. it's a special thing. You know the way we are in New York. We're like, all right, it's New York. You're here. It's Madison Square Garden. Put on a show for us. And Kobe, just like Michael Jordan, always kind of got caught up in that. I think Steph Curry is the same way. I think LeBron is the same way as well, where they're thinking it's Madison Square Garden. People expect me to put on a show, and that's what I'm going to do. And Kobe Bryant, when he played at the Garden, never disappointed. That's so great. Well, if Frank Isola wanted a one gift for Christmas, what would it be? Would it be uh, Joe Judge to be gone or Zach Wilson to be a star <laughs> a, for the Jets? A week a week in Miami so I can get that uh, beautiful weather. Uh, <laughs> I'll say this about the, the New York football teams. There's, there's something worse than just being bad it's being boring and both teams are really boring. And you know how it is when you, when you live here, you're getting those local games. So if you don't have direct TV, if you're not willing to watch the games on the red zone, you're getting stuck with jets and giants and those two teams. Oh, yawners. They're just so boring. <laughs> the only thing worse than being bad is being boring. And the jets and the giants are both boring. Well, a lot of people in New England don't really love Joe Judge, and they're kind of happy that he was gone and snark at the way that why, he is. Why is that? So why cocky. did they like him? Oh, because he was cocky. Um, people inside the building just, yeah, um, entitled, cocky, hadn't really won anything, cursing left and right. I've, I've just, I've heard that from more than one person that they just didn't, they just, they, they never. It's like, how could you listen to this guy and believe him? Um, some of yeah. his press conferences, it's like, it's like, oh yeah, that's on me and blah, 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 and, you know, and, and I'm going to fix this. So it's just, it's, it's, um, he's contradicting himself constantly, but well, I, I don't think that things 
are getting better, especially at the top. If Dave yeah. Gettleman leaves, I feel like this could be really the beginning of the end of a very uh, dark period for the Giants. Yeah. I, I don't I, I don't think that they're going to hire if they hire from within that they're going to have even more disgruntled fans and and questions on 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 personnel moves and just things going on. And, I, you know, this is a quarterback driven league and whether or not Daniel Jones will get very much, you know, a lot more um, uh, leash if they're going to go out and pay Russell Wilson $40 million a year to come to New York. And that seems like a, a perfect glitzy glam place for, for him and his new team, which I don't, I never understood players that just try to write their exit yeah. while they're in the middle of a season, but that's conversation for another time. Yeah. Well, but, I would, if, if I were the, I've always said this about the Knicks and the Knicks have had a lot of front offices in the last 10 years. I've always said the first call I would make would be to Pat Riley. And I would offer Pat Riley everything and make him turn it down. Now, maybe he would turn it down, but that's on him. At least I tried to get the best. If I'm the Giants, every time you need a coach or a GM, why don't they call New England? Like Bill Belichick has a history. Now, do I think he's going to take it? No. But if he were going to leave for any job, it probably would be the Giants. You had ample opportunity. Just call him up. That's why not try to get the best. You're the New York Giants. I would call a Bill Belichick. I'm not calling a Bill Belichick for his advice on coaches like they did the last time. I'm calling a Bill Belichick and saying, we're going to give you an open check. What what will it take to get you up here to run the entire show? Let him say no. Again, he'll probably say no, but I'm going to make a run at the best. But do you is there any truth to that rumor? I because I just Call, call complete BS when every time I think about that, oh, Bill is going to leave. That, that I mean, that's – Oh, I don't think, I don't think he's going to leave. That's that's not my, my – my thing is I'm looking at it from the Giants' standpoint. He's oh, got I a understand. history with the organization. He yeah. knows the ownership. Call him up. The job is always – the reason why the job is available is because you guys keep making bad choices and your team stink. So why not shoot for the moon, swing for the fences, and go call up Bill Belichick? That's what I would do. Well, if Bill wins another title with his young quarterback and uh, is in Mac Jones and kind of has the edge, I think that that would be a nice project for him. I'm not necessarily sure that he's ready to leave the reins to his son. And who is the heir apparent <laughs> behind everything? I agree. Talked about this so many times. I mean, people are listening to this like, yeah, Courtney, let's keep quiet. We already get it. Yeah, I think that. You know, so in the NFL, it's hard to say you're rebuilding because the players' careers are so short in the in the NFL. Guys can get hurt. But when you do bring in a rookie quarterback, you are in theory rebuilding. So so while the Patriots are rebuilding, they're in first place. Then look at all the other teams that have rookie yeah. quarterbacks and how much they're struggling. That's why he just yep. does it. It's at a different level. You knew that last season that was a stopgap. He rolled the dice with Cam Newton, who clearly isn't good enough anymore. And you've seen what's going on with him in Carolina. That was just a stopgap. And now here they are. I love the fact that Buffalo, uh, that Buffalo, that New England didn't even play last week and they still gained ground because Buffalo yeah. ended up losing to Tom Brady. You can't uh, help but uh, notice the irony there. Um, is it crazy to think that the Cowboys have not won, but two of the best defensive players in the NFL right now? And they all both came out of their most recent draft and Trayvon Diggs. And now Mel, I think Micah Parsons went from plus. I know. 3,500 to now the favorite? I, I'm, I'm not sure. And I, I screwed this up a couple of weeks ago, or maybe last week. It was like, oh, the Patriots were 30 to 1. I'm pretty sure I read that before week 14, Michael Parsons was at plus 3,500 to win Defensive Player of the Year, and now he has moved to the favorite.
And he had the great play over the weekend against Washington. You know, the thing about Dallas, there's always so much focus, and I get it. You're the quarterback of Dallas. So, you know, he he's making a ton of money. He has all this attention, but he is coming off of an injury, and he has been average. And how do you still win in the NFL? You still win with defense. So Dallas kind of investing all this time and resources in improving their defense. That's why they are where they are right now. And it also helps that the division they're in is no is not really any good. The NFC East used to be the power division of the NFL, but the Eagles stink. Washington is okay, and we already yeah. talked about how bad the Giants are. But Dallas is legit. I just can't see them winning three games, though, to you know get to a Super Bowl or win a Super Bowl. I just can't. I, I just don't see it. I, I yeah. think they're good enough to maybe maybe get to the NFC title game. I don't see them being good enough to win those final two games. Well, it's funny that you say that because a lot of this has to lay on the shoulders of Dak Prescott and, and that early preseason injury with the shoulder. And we all saw that with hard knocks. And um, it, it's it's almost like he had the, the Caffrey strain yeah. after the Patriots game and they were very concerned and they held him out and he's not really stepped into his own. It's almost like a psychological thing. A lot of people yeah. are thinking more than anything that, that Dak Prescott is holding himself back because of the fear of, of re-injuring something. And I think that that happens. I think when you run and you get hurt and I think Lamar Jackson's in the same boat, I think Josh yeah. Allen, of Buffalo will be in the same boat. You know, yeah, it's great to run, but when you keep getting those hits, it adds up and he already suffered a devastating injury, that horrible ankle injury. And now he doesn't, he's not as aggressive. And the last four weeks, Dak Prescott, four touchdown passes, five interceptions. So his play and productivity and efficiency has gone way down. And that's and I think that's somewhat of a concerning as you're about to head into the playoffs. Yeah. Who is the best player in the NFL right now? I know that they have Scott Hansen, Mr. Seven Hours of Nonstop Football, <laughs> commercial free football starts now. I, I do watch him every Sunday. But he's he said, great. Uh, yeah, there's there's no one else in the league that is that is better right now. No one knows who the best team in the NFL is. It's, well, who would, well, who who are you going to say is the best player? You want to say Tom Brady, Aaron Donald? Tom Brady? Give, yeah. I would or, say. Or Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has just turned me flat off on everything that they're doing. The Packers are still a well-oiled and efficient machine. I believe – I don't even – have they gotten David Bakhtiari back on the offensive line? No. A left tackle? I'm not sure. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna get stronger. They're they're cold weather proven. The Patriots are not cold weather proven. <laughs> you know, I mean, clearly well, yeah, they just won a game in Buffalo in the terrible. Well, weather. yeah, but you know, um, Mac Jones looked very cold despite the scoops. Yeah. You still don't know what what this kid is gonna do. Yeah. And I I will tell you, I I covered a game in Kansas City in December. That place is cold, loud, and unforgiving. Yeah. It, it is yeah. like you don't you don't know cold until you go to the actual middle of the United States. That's where Kansas City, Missouri <laughs> is. Like you realize, like you are literally in the middle of the U.S. And it is um, weather conditions there. It's it's pretty tough. So, you know, I mean, it's it really all just comes down to who's going to who's going to play three phases of good, good football late in January. It's it's the Packers. It's the Patriots. Um, and it's one of the one of the California teams. Well, that's why with Kansas City, I think, you know, they have the great quarterback. They're battle-tested. They've played huge playoff games at home. That's why if they were to get mm -hmm. home field advantage, 
That's why, to me, they'll be tough to beat. I just think they'll be a different team when the playoffs start. Are, are you impressed by by Bill's, Bill the GM more than Bill the coach that they have uh, well, I, kind of assembled? Put put the as as Lewis Riddick said, he, they put the band back together. It's like he he reassembled and reincarnated Willie McGinnis and and Ty Law and Lawyer Malloy and all of these all of these versatile pieces on the on the defensive line and just uh, put the band back together. Uh, he's, I mean, the, the guy is a brilliant coach, number one. But the biggest thing that they did was so you have arguably well the greatest quarterback in history leaves your team. So then you know there's going to be a major fall off, and there was because it's just hard to find quarterbacks. They have one bad mm-hmm. year, and then in the draft, you know that Bill Belichick and Nick Saban have a great relationship. So all the intel he's getting on Mac Jones, it's going to be brutally honest from Nick Saban. They take the chance mm-hmm. on Mac Jones when other teams could have drafted him, and it looks like mm-hmm. after you know it's not even a full season yet that he fits in perfectly. And that's why, you know, you look at what's going on with the Jets, always going through quarterbacks. Right now, the Giants with Daniel Jones, it's been a few years, and really, what have you seen thus far? The guy's got a great arm, but he turns the ball over a lot. They lose a lot of games. For Bill Belichick to go out after one down season and come back and bring in a guy like Mac Jones and be in first place where they are right now, and that's why I know a lot of people probably wouldn't want to see it. I'd love to see Tampa Bay play New England in the Super Bowl. I mean, that would be incredible. Belichick against Brady in a Super Bowl, that'd be pretty neat. I I am voting for that Super Bowl as well. That L.A. Super Bowl will be at the glorious SoFi Stadium. Yeah. I have this thing for stadiums or arenas, I guess. More stadiums, NFL stadiums, as I've covered more football games um, than I have NBA games. What is your favorite stadium? Um, Let's see now. I would still say for basketball, I think Madison Square Garden is off the charts. And for football, Dallas's stadium is impressive. It's but I, I like impressive. but I like the outdoor stadium. So like on Thanksgiving, when we're all home, especially in the Northeast where we like when it's cold that day. Yes. All, all three games were played indoors. You had Detroit. We're all getting tired of seeing them. You had Dallas and then you had yeah. New Orleans. They should be playing games Outdoors, and that's the one thing I don't like about the LA stadium. It's LA. What are you playing indoors? Miami Stadium is cool. They went with the European design where they added that, you know, the kind of the canopy roof yep. that covers the fans. MetLife Stadium here in uh, New Jersey is is a dump. They had both teams, the Jets and the Giants, both combined to build that monument of uh, concrete. It cost more money than Jerry Jones' stadium did. What they should have done was built a stadium with a retractable roof, play the, your games outdoors, absolutely. But this way you could have had college basketball games there. You could have had a lot more events. Yeah. The thing is ugly. It looks like a huge air conditioning unit. It's really I, it's really a shame. I, I covered the Giants after I left NFL Network, and I have to say there's something about MedLife Stadium. It's, it's the way that it was constructed. It's extremely one-in, one-out. Like yeah. you cannot, you you have to go to one exit entrance to get to the 200 level. That's the interior of the bowl. I don't understand why, why they awful. decided to create that. If it's fire safe, like I don't, you know, clearly you can't light it so, on so fire. Miami, the worst Miami stadium sta- in the NFL yeah. is Well, Miami is Stadium was built, was built in what the 80s, obviously. It was Joe Robbie, I think, mm-hmm. when it first came into the league. And so Robbie, done... but this is new. No, this one 
was this one was built in like 2010. No, they renovated it. They renovated the stadium. They added yeah. the roof, everything like that. They've done an unbelievable. It's it looks great, and I think it's fan friendly, which is what you want. Yeah. Oh, I love this. I my my team. I, I'm in a, f- a women's fantasy football league. I beat Brandy Chastain in fantasy football. How oh, pretty cool! I didn't even. Yeah, I didn't even set my lineup. <laughs> I hate fantasy. Fantasy <laughs> is the worst. It, is, it really is. Hold on, I got to figure this out. Hard Rock Stadium. What? It, when was it built? When I'm was say, it built? It I'm is not Joe Robbie. It used to be called Joe Robbie. I mean, I know because I call it Joe Robbie because they, you know, uh, they, there's a joke built? in Spanish. When was it built? I'm trying to figure 84. this out. When, when Hearts Miami Football's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. AM, when it was it Just built? Look at Google. I'm Google Googling it, but it's not. Oh, yeah, it was built in the 80s. You are right. Yeah, thank you. Wait. Okay. Architect you was. Me. Do you know the architect? Was, with... His name was HOK. Oh, oh really? Not yeah, bad. it just says the okay. architect, HOK. But repeat what you said. Oh, that's you were right. You'll be repeating that a lot when you talk to me. I knew I was right about that. You you were right. Thank you. Well, you were right about when what what college you were right about what college you chose. The great <laughs> University of Maryland in College Park. I have to say, because I, I did a little background research, the greatest college basketball game that you ever covered in your college journalism career. I was not even incubated yet. Like I what was not was even like February 20th, 1986. Chapel Hill, UMD against oh, yeah. UNC with Len Bias. Dropped I was, a, I, was a, I was a a child prodigy. I was only nine years old. And I was uh, covering covering that game for the radio station. That was a... By the way, they were... Carolina was number one in the country yeah. at the time. And they had not lost a game ever in the what they called the Dean Dome. So not only did Maryland knock off the number one team in the country, they handed North Carolina their first ever loss in that building. Wow. Cool. Wow. And the, and the great Len Bias tore it up that night. How special was he? I, I know that everyone talks about, especially in Boston, though, that the that the Celtics legacy would have been continued if Len Bias didn't pass away um, tragically. Washington Hall. If anyone's not seen that 30 for 30, you definitely need to watch really it. But um, yeah, what kind of a basketball player was he? And like, really just kind of sell me on how special he was and, and how much he is missed. You know, he was he was a dominant player because he had the, uh, you know, the full game. He was big and strong, but he was quick. He could shoot from the outside. He could overpower guys inside. Senior year, he went down to Duke in uh, – at Cameron Indoor, I think it was either 42 or 44 points he scored against Duke, and the fans were kind of bowing down to him. He was just an unbelievable player. If you remember, he would have gone to the Celtics when that group was starting to turn. Yeah, it was leaving. It was, yeah, it was going to be the perfect segue. Yep. He would play with them for a couple more, a couple more years. That team would have been terrific. Oh. The, the whole story is just tragic and sad. Yeah. Well, when you went to went to Maryland, obviously you were uh, following in the footsteps of some great journalists that you covered teams along with Sally Jenkins and and Michael Wilbon. 
Yeah. Are you the same age? Am I dating you right here? Or are you when I was when I was at Maryland, Michael Wilbon was take it easy now. When I was <gasps> when I was at Maryland, Michael Wilbon was covering Georgetown for yeah. the Washington Post, and yeah. Sally Jenkins was covering Maryland for the Washington Post. Okay. But back then, because if you wanted to be in the business, you kind of knew who those people were. Okay. Don Marcus was covering for the Baltimore Sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I ain't that okay. old. What what was it like to what was what was covering journalism like back then? I know I have this wonderful Dan Shaughnessy book, and I'm I'm not lying; it's very good. It's a, it's what wish it lasted forever. Um, yeah. And it was about it was about how he they used to travel with the teams yeah, in the same little janky hotels. It's like you're not going to the Ritz, and I mean he would it was just full full access, and it's. It's a time that will never be taken back. But um, what was it like covering, or at least following in the footsteps? There, you you probably had to like fax your your stories back. <laughs> Take fax it easy. And, um, VHS tapes when you chop them up. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I know those stories. And we, yeah. we sent it near a Pony Express so it can get to the newsroom. So my era was after Dan, so we were never traveling with the team. I think three times I was on the team plane with the Knicks. And, you know, every once in a while, you might just happen to stay in the same hotel as them. But if you're talking pre-internet, you're also, your relationship with the players, it, it was interesting because you spent a lot of time around them in the locker room. And back then, the Knicks used to do something where if they were on the road, they would have the clip packet. So all the papers that were covering the team, they would have all the articles and they'd hand them out to the players. So the players were reading everything. Yeah. Was, wow. that, the, the engagement was much more direct as opposed to now where LeBron and, uh, you know, other players, they can go back at reporters or they can get their own message out on social media. So that part of the job is completely changed. I think the relationships between the media and the players was unique because you spent so much time around them. It didn't mean that you always got along, but I think it was, there was a better understanding because if you were going to be really critical of a guy, you were going to be in the locker room the next day. Now, yeah. you know, if you're a blogger or you're just attacking people on social media, you never even have to run into these guys if you don't want to. Uh, I have to ask you to finish up the show, and this has been so great. I, Mark Turgeon, you know, um, he's really stayed insulated from a lot of the criticism for the 11 years that he has been the Terps men's basketball coach. Maryland just always needs more, and I always just give up. People are like, oh, what's going on with your team? I'm like, I don't know. It's midseason. They're probably going to start losing. Um, more marquee wins, more success. Um, the athletic department didn't really offer him much much confirmation that they wanted him past this season. And I know that the fans and his family had dealt with a lot of harassment. I think his wife was saying it was just very hard to bear. Do you think that the fan base was too critical of him? And are you, are you happy with the decision that he has moved on from the team? So what is the backstory there? Like, is there more to it? Like who resigns in the, like, it's not even the middle of the season, like 10 games in. I've never heard of something like that. Uh, yeah, and it, especially they did well. Something's going on there. But <laughs> they had they had a, an athletic director that had a really hard time um, meshing with the athletic programs. And you can remember um, Kevin Durant is around my age. He's either – I think he's a year younger than me. But, I mean, he, he came out of the DMV, and he decided to go to Texas. Oh, and Texas. they were losing – yeah. Well, obviously, I understand why. Kevin, Dur you Kevin Durant just texted me. He said, "I'm sorry that I'm younger than you." That's what he said. <laughs> he's getting. He's calling you old now. 
No, so I they had a really hard time to keeping keeping these ultra talented players inside Prince George's County within the school system because Maryland was the admissions. It was becoming academically rigorous and, you know, and, and they didn't really care too much about, they wanted smart players and, and not the big time players. And obviously that's why they jumped from the ACC yeah. to the big 10 and it gave them an extra 30 million a year and all that. Like, I, I, is there, is there friction once again with the athletic department, the admissions and, just kind of that non-symbiotic relationship that's plagued this school for a long time. I'm asking this question. I'm not asking yeah. you to answer it, but you do have a point there. I oh, he he mutually parted ways. He he, he needed to go. Like he was yeah. fired. Like I don't I. But I. So what do they do with this? They're just like they're, I think that they're just the pride of of College Park, and yeah. and it sucks to see them. What, the last time that they won was with Juan Dixon in 2002? Yeah. But to me, it's about being competitive enough where you could get in the tournament, make a run. It's so hard to win the NCAA championship. You could be a great team, not even make it to the Final Four. I had heard that Kevin Willard, the coach of Seton Hall, is a name to look for that that they may try to hire, which which is a good one. So you heard it here first. Hopefully you heard Heard it here first. Heard it here first. Final words. Final words from Frank. Can you gloat? Can you gloat about your latest championship? <laughs> What's my? Oh, uh, NYCFC New York finally yes. has a championship. The first one in ten years in any sport. How about that? And they're getting a well, parade this- or a city hall celebration on Tuesday. Well, the last championship in Boston I did cover was the uh, Boston Cannons in the final year of the long storied Major League Lacrosse tournament. <laughs> Yes, the Boston Cannons. They do have they have a banner. If you ever fly JetBlue and Terminal C out of Boston, yeah. they have a banner for every single title, and it's just like it's like ugh, we're yeah, going to need another row on here. Yeah, but you've had the Red Sox win recently. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, I had John Jaskremski on my show, and he even admitted to me, and I'm just I'm going to take this and and walk off into the sunset. He said uh, the Boston Red Sox are just worlds better than the New York Yankees. They've proven it time and time again. And it just yeah. made me so happy. <laughs> oh. Enjoy this century. We ha- we own the last century. You guys own this one so far. Yeah, when 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 African American players were not allowed to in baseball and uh <laughs> well, we would have been better you know, then. No, 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 no DH and Pitter. I'd like I, I love I love the clarification of the 27 rings of the New York Yankees. It's just so great. <laughs> That's true. Oh, true. I'll, I'll I'll catch you on on the Twitter wave. First of all, I, Major League Major League Soccer. I'm happy for Major League Soccer. Finally, like but, when I was in high school, but, they were like, Major League Soccer is the next next thing. It's it's taken it's taken 20 years. Hang on. However, whoa, whoa, whoa. this way you're wrong. Soccer is the big thing. So people in this country watch a lot of. The Premier League, they watch in Spain. I agree. So yep. people in Spain love the love basketball. The top league in the world is the NBA. So they watch NBA. So everyone always says that about soccer. People in this country love soccer. It's just that they're watching the MLS is a good league. It's obviously not the best league in the world. So people that love soccer watch yeah. the best league, which is the Premier League. See? Okay. Feel free to steal that. Well, I I, I just don't I don't understand how a champion should come down to penalty kicks because the Rebs were apparently very good this year and they lost in PKs. And then you guys won a championship over the Portland Timbers on PKs. Uh, I just think I that's mean, unfair. Well, you play 120 play minutes. Play till you drop. 
Uh, I don't mind doing that. Maybe taking a player off the field every 10 minutes, but Italy won yeah, the Euro like, I mean, in July. Like you know, that's, like, that's all that matters. Forza Azzurri, as they say. It's a, it's going to be Frank versus Courtney for PKs the next time we <laughs> hang out. I'm going to take you straight to the soccer field. I'm looking at my varsity diving. letters I'll have right you now. diving this way, and I'll go that way. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna trick it with my eyes. Trust me. I know that. <laughs> Frank, where can the people that will follow you find your content? I didn't even ask you a scowl question. How is that white mamba? Have you tasted his sauce? No, not yet. He's got. He's have got. You, um, have, you tried his, have you tried his vodka soda out there? He's. Yeah, he's got. What does he got? Vodka soda. He has meat sauce or something. That's a scowl sauce. To put on spaghetti. Yeah. 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 Spaghetti sauce. He's making personal appearances at a candy store in Worcester for about 20 bucks. The guy know he's always grinding to make money, that's for sure. All right, Frank. Right. I'll, I'll see you. I'll see you on not on I'll PTI. See, uh, Let's hope it I'll wins. see you in Miami. I'll see you in Miami. Thanks a lot. Um, I'm going to Boston February 3rd. You are going to Boston. My Do you birthday? know what you have yourself into? Don't do you know what you're getting yourself into right now, Boston, in the middle of February? Probably the coldest month of the year. It's different than New York, you know. It's different. There's a different jet stream that comes directly from the Arctic. That's why Boston gets more snow. Did you know that? I did not know that. Um, we just have never been to – I've been to Boston when I was like a 22-year-old drunk idiot over the summer when I like <laughs> – went to Fenway and then got hammered at a uh, cask and flagon right behind it. Um, but I've never actually seen the city. So 33 is, it's not like a milestone birthday, but might as well just take a trip and go see a new city. Right. I, listen, if, if you've got that joint bank account, married life, you're taking trips to the Maldives in the middle, you might as well enjoy Boston for all the bouginess that it has. It's a pretty upgraded city, I would say, despite the fact that the social life there, at least for me, was absolutely abysmal. And, you know, the work selections are pretty plain and proper. And, you know, they only select a certain group of people that will be on the television networks and all of that. And outside of my family, it's an all right new city. You know, it's, it's okay. I just it's need, okay. I just need a couple good restaurants and I'm good. I sent you a whole list of them. I know. So I like, sent you. A, are are you ready? To, are you ready to walk out? Not only in the freezing cold, but are you ready to walk Boston by foot? I am. I am. I'm prepared. By I, air or by sea? We are by actually, foot. By duck boat. By, we will be by foot, but we are we are flying though because I am what? not. I'm not driving six hours yet. In mind, it's forty five six hours from from Hoboken, New Jersey. Uh, it's at least four hours and 20 minutes with traffic. That's it. I'm going to take a 20 minute ride to York Airport. I'm going to take a four five minute flight to Boston. <laughs> and by the time I'm at dinner, I would be arriving at the hotel probably. It's, but you realize like that's the biggest oxymoron of all time because you are creating a four hour travel day regardless. And so when you think about it, you say, oh, it's so long. But when you get in your car, you drive four hours and 20 minutes to Boston, which is through Hoboken, because you're on the other side of the bridge. Luckily, you don't hit any traffic on the George Washington. You take the George Washington. You can go Tappan Zee right up to uh, the Hutch, or you can go through eight um, I-84 straight through Connecticut. There's like various different ways if you're coming from New Jersey. 
and door to door, it's four hours, 20 minutes. So what you're saying is you're going to go to the airport. You're going to check a bag two hours before your flight. You're going to take a 45 minute flight and then you're going to wait for your bag. And then no, you're no, get I don't to check the hotel. First of all, I don't check bags. <laughs> let's let's get first of all your wife doesn't thing. check oh your wife let, checks bags let's get please. let's get one thing let's get one thing straight i don't <laughs> check bags i don't check bags she she will not be checking a bag on this trip i will make sure of it oh um, okay i will make sure she's not checking a bag on this trip also i have like we have like all the clear and tsa pre-check shit so like we just basically get to the airport and walk through the gate and like that's okay. it i, okay. I I ain't about that. I fucking travel the right way here. I I am a bougie ass traveler. I got it all set. I don't fucking check bags unless it's a long ass trip. Like I'm ready to go. Like that's it. What's I'm the air miles like? Are you um are you I'm gold on on I'm gold on Delta. I'm I almost made platinum. I needed like a, a couple more dollars on platinum to make platinum, which I never did working for NFL network or any of the networks that I work for. So um patting myself on the back for that's, like a bunch of a bunch of a bunch of very expensive pandemic travel. Yeah, this that's year. see, that's crazy. Like I'm I'm silver on Delta this year. I'm gold on American. I missed platinum by like 500 miles. Ooh. I almost took a I almost took a trip on like the day before New Year's Eve. We almost took a trip like just to sh take a trip, get off the plane and get back just to get platinum, but we decided not to do it. Oh, that's very aggressive. That I know. That is I know. Very aggressive know. Um, mileage Listen, behavior. I'm all about airline status. Like that is like. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And the only, the, the one thing that I will do and I've mistaken myself on the few trips that I've taken and been Delta one on first class and they've allowed you into the first class. There was a couple of, legs that weren't this lay down seats and i i was upgraded to delta one but it wasn't the lay flat seat i was oh. flying from la to miami and i had like a labor yes yes okay 34 years old courtney you should not be doing uh layover red eyes i agree but it was my only way to get to the uh, dan levitard roast in Miami back in October. So I said, like, I was like wasting a thousand bucks on this return flight from LA. So I, I wasn't allowed in the lounge because you like have to have the credit card. If you yeah. don't have the credit card, they don't let you. Like, no exceptions. I have the Not card. Not even if you're in first class, which I find to be complete BS. No, that is BS. That is, that's complete BS. I have the card though. So I don't ever really have to worry about that. But <laughs> I'm such a, I'm such a, I am such a cringe-worthy like asshole when I travel. Like I am just like, just I just do things that make it easy for me. I care about me. If I, traveling with the group is out for me because I just leave everybody behind. I'm like, if you don't know where you're going in an airport, you're not traveling with me. Like I know where I got to get to. Like I know I'm going to the lounge. I'm not sitting outside like a peasant. Like I'm done. I'm just this. That's it. I, I travel extra bougie. My biggest pet peeve, and it drives me nuts. No matter if I'm in a good mood or a bad mood, it just escalates the mood. Is people that don't know how to go through TSA. Oh. It's like they have never flown on a goddamn flight before. Oh. And they don't know that they have to take everything out of their pockets. They don't know that all of their bags have to go on. And they're asking questions. I'm like, if you don't know what you're doing, get out of the way, honey. They like, oh, like there was oh. this, oh God, there was this guy I was flying. What was it, my last trip? And it was from Miami to Boston and the traffic 
the foot traffic was out of control and we were all waiting in line and this guy like caught the line and he took his belt off. And for some reason, oh, I have this, uh, this, this is so gross. He had his belt off and like his pants, like unzippered slightly was not wearing underwear with this huge fat guy. And, um, he, he was like trying to cut and I turned back. I go, Oh no, bro. That's not how this works. And he's all, and then I just like looked down. And I just saw this like, Oh, not about that. I, about I, that. Back and I go, Oh my God. I, I like, I couldn't get that image out of my head. No, that's ingrained in your memory. Uh, I was like, but first I like gave him some sauce. I was like, nah, bro. That's no. not how this works, son. No, <laughs> get out. No, no, get out of and the way. I realized he didn't really speak English and it was just so much that's, fun. That's not, your, that's not your problem in that situation. <laughs> oh I used to God. do, I used to be a little, I used to be kind of like, I used to be kind of funny back in the day. I yeah. used to do a YouTube series called Travel Ban where I would ban people from traveling who were idiots in airports. And one of them was people like going through security. And I'd point oh. out and I'd point out that I was trying to capitalize off, off of a former president. Cause it was a trending topic and I was trying to make it okay, totally yeah, different. Shall not be named. Yeah. 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 And um, I, so one of them was actually from like going through security and like yeah. that, all the shit, like the people that like go through security and they fucking, Sorry, I'm cursing a lot here. Oh, it no, it's me, okay. It gets me so mad is when they pull the like, – they go through security. They have no idea why their bag is being inspected. And then the, the TSA pulls out like a 30-ounce freaking water bottle. <laughs> bottle like, of water. Like, it's like you know you can't – like you know there's no liquids over 3.4 ounces. You know this. Like it's like that is the first thing they tell you. Like this, get – Get out of it's, here. It's been, I mean, it's not like this has been overnight. This has been for 20 years. Right. Like 9-11 changed everything. Yeah. We're going, we're yeah. in the 21st year right now. We just started the 21st I, year of this. Enough. I hate, I get so jacked up when I travel and like people, oh, like, no, like if people are in my way when I travel, yeah. I am, I am, I am annoying to be around. Like I am. It drives me nuts. Yeah. 